Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio. We are your source for Arizona football, basketball, and recruiting news. You can follow the podcast on social media, Facebook. Of course, Wildcat Radio is our page. Twitter, at Wildcat Radio AZ. Be sure to also check out our website, wildcatradioaz.com. You'll actually be able to subscribe for a week-long trial of Sling TV at the very top of the page there wildcatradioaz.com of course you can through sync tv any direct tv owners this is the best way to stream for the pac-12 network uh for you know all, all the wildcats across the country that have been living without the pac-12 network this is your chance to do so for the rest of the season especially with basketball season starting up here we're going to touch on that shortly uh but also be sure to run the gauntlet picks you'll be able to go on there challenge any of our wildcat radio personalities and run the gauntlet. See if you are any good at picking games. I am clearly not. My name is Ronnie Stoffel. I am now on the call with Adam Green. Adam, I, I, I went one in five last week. I don't know if you noticed that. I, I, I might... I might just stop because I guess they like, <laughs> do much worse. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just unbelievable. And the one that and the one that I actually hit was Arizona. So, and I think uh, I think somebody else had Arizona too. But uh, you know, going into the game, we were pretty uh, overwhelmingly named underdogs, and that one hit for me. So, luckily, thank you, Wildcats. Yeah, there you go. That's that, and because of the Wildcat podcast, I think everyone likes you now <laughs> because you had faith. That's right. Yes, yes. And uh, so, yeah, check out the website, wildcatradioaz.com. Be sure to subscribe uh, through iTunes, Stitcher, whatever, Google Play, any, any basically any podcast catcher uh, for subscribing to the podcast. And, of course, the Sling TV free trial will be available. Uh, just follow the link on wildcatradioaz.com. Adam, I, I want to go ahead and jump into the eliminator pool, right? So obviously you and I have been eliminated now for a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, I got to move uh, on to that one. It's kind of silly to look back. I, I, I just wanted to look back just to see, I mean, who's still alive at this point, right? Nine weeks into the season. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, I saw a lot of organs left. I saw a lot of Colorados this week. Uh, I think somebody was forced into UCLA. Obviously that didn't hit. I don't know how much this was talked about. I know Bryant likes to give the updates, but Philly Joel, big shout out to Philly Joel in the eliminator pool, picked Oregon State this week. And and for anybody that missed it, Oregon State was down, I think it was 31-3. They had a a 28-point deficit to overcome in the second half, and they won in overtime, 41-34. How bizarre is that? I mean, I, I know a lot of the eliminator pick is, you know, you're, you're at the very end. You're, you're kind of stuck in a situation where, uh, you know, I have Oregon State or I have UCLA. I, I don't know which one to go with. Flip a coin, Oregon State. And it just happened to align perfectly with this monster comeback. Yeah, I don't know if I can give him credit for picking Oregon State because I'm guessing <laughs> he meant to pick Oregon and forgot the state or something. Or, you know, added something there. There's something up with that. Cause no oh, one, no one would have now- willingly picked Oregon State. I mean, hey, if it's better be lucky than good, right? I mean. Now that I'm looking at genius, this, but that's I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. You're 100 percent right. Week two, he had Oregon State. He typed in Oregon State, in week nine. So oh, he, he's cheating. 
Oh, Philly Joel. Well, I'm going to still leave this. I'm not going to edit this out. I think there's no way anyone would have picked Oregon State. But (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm not going to edit this because uh, that was very impressive at first, Philly Joel. And you tried to pull fast one and it worked on me. So I want all of our listeners to 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 witness that. But um, all right. So I guess that's not that uh, newsworthy then. Uh, With Oregon early on and then Oregon State. uh, Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. So Bryant's going to have to do some investigative work on that. (laughs) Uh, but Sorry, we'll go ahead and Joel, that I didn't mean to call you out there like that. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, and then Adam, so basketball season, uh, we're up and running. So we are recording this on Tuesday, October 30th. Uh, of course, tonight marks, uh, the first of two exhibition games that the Wildcats will play. Uh, this first one here teed up for, of course, seven o'clock local time in Tucson, uh, Western New Mexico will be the opponent. Uh, and then next week, November 4th, or I guess later this week, rather, uh, Sunday, November 4th, 7 p.m. Chaminade also comes to Tucson. So we're not going to really touch on that too much more than just advertising that these games will be played. Uh, next week, obviously, is the bye week finally for Arizona football. So that'll be a perfect opportunity uh, for Adam and myself to recap those two games. Kind of just what do we see? What do we like? What we didn't like, etc. So uh, we will leave it at that. Be sure, again, using your Sling TV this is all happening within a week. Go to wildcatradioaz.com, follow the links, get your week trial, and you can watch both of these exhibition games. So uh, until next week, then we're going to leave it at that. So, Adam. And also, we don't need to talk about basketball right now because football is somehow still relevant. We, you know, I, l- yeah, let's just jump into this here, right? So I, I don't want to get ahead of myself at, at, at all, but you, you – you know, I, I tend to uh, I, I tend to reach a little bit. I, I, t- I tend to get a little optimistic, especially when uh, s- seismic shifts like this happen in the standings. Sure. Where I feel like we were, you know, going into this game right three and five. There was ugh, everyone was writing it off, looking like three and six, two and four in conference play, and uh, and the Wildcats came out to play. Yeah, they did. And we had talked, I think, last week, how this isn't the best Oregon team that's come to Tucson, right? It right. wasn't the worst Arizona team, wasn't the best Oregon team, but even still, the line was, what, nine and a half or so? Yeah. And there's a reason for that. And, you know, with Khalil Tate being back in the lineup, you thought, okay, maybe if he's more like the healthy Khalil Tate and he's run the ball, then Arizona can hang in this game. But otherwise, it was hard to imagine Arizona's defense doing enough. I mean, this, that defense gave up 31 points to uh, UCLA the week before, and I would think that UCLA's offense isn't quite as good as Oregon's. So there was, we talked, I remember you were a little bit more optimistic than I was, but even then it was hard to expect Arizona to go out and win the game, and especially not the way they did. Like, that was as complete an effort as we've seen from an Arizona football team, at least that I can remember, like in a long, long time. It was very dominating, and honestly, from start to finish, obviously, yeah. there, there, there was a point early in the second quarter where you know Oregon scored, uh, Arizona failed to get in the end zone on three straight drives, had to settle for field goals. Kudos to Josh Pollock. I mean, this, this is the type mm-hmm. of game that we have been talking about all year. There will come a time where we have to hit field goals. Imagine if Josh Pollock didn't hit one of those three field goals or even miss like two of those field goals. Yeah. Like how demoralizing that would be. You got to get uh, some so, points, right? Even if it's not, gotta get some you got to get some points. Got to get some points. I mean, obviously, I mean, they ended up, you know, keeping four and I guess overall 12 points off the board. But, you know, it, it, it's better to have those nine points than nothing at all or three or six, you know, what have you. But, uh, you know, with, with I, I guess looking at that one point in time around the nine, 10 minute mark in the second quarter uh, where Oregon scored. 
uh, fairly easily they marched up the field seven plays 75 yards about a two-minute drive or so went for the two-point conversion made it a 16-8 game a one possession game you know at that point it was kind of like ah they've you know these last three drives we've had settled for field goals we had to punch it in we didn't and now here get Oregon's getting going Mm -hmm. it's just you know it's like oh man but before I guess we get too much farther into actually how everything played out I I I want to touch on the pregame antics if you will because it did kind of feel like it kind of felt like you know all week it was very hush hush right like we didn't necessarily know what was going to happen with Khalil Tate was he going to be available was he going to start uh, obviously last week or now two weeks ago at UCLA, he, he did not dress. He did not play at all. It was the Rhett Rod show, uh, came up short 31, 30 touched on that plenty this time leading into this game. There was kind of, I guess, you know, some speculation you can say with the line. And that was the best way to gauge, you know, with, with, with the updates on Quill Tate, mm-hmm. I did notice early Saturday morning. The line dropped to about eight and it had gotten up as far as I I had seen. Like you said earlier, it was nine and a half and it dropped to eight. And so that's when it's like, you know, I haven't seen an official announcement, but there's speculation. And then right before kickoff or about an hour or so before kickoff, Twitter is blowing up like, oh, he's in a walking boot. This isn't going to be good. And then about 15 minutes or so before kickoff, you start seeing updates like he's going to play like yeah. he's completely dressed. Walking boots gone. I, I they, they were just trying to play with Oregon, I think, in my head. Maybe, and I mean, we got to. You look back the week before; they ruled it Tate out early on, you know. So I think I'm going to talk about the longer this went on with him not being ruled out, the more likely it was that Kulote was going to play this game. And I think he had even Instagrammed something where it looked like he was going to play. I remember saying, "I'm like, oh, it looks like Kulote's going to play this week." But even then, in terms of what that did for the line, like we remember Arizona when last Kulote was on the field, they weren't playing that well either. So mm-hmm. you know, just the idea that Kulote was going to play to me, even if you would have told me he was going to play, and I. I think we kind of figured he probably would. But even if you told me he was going to play, I still wouldn't have predicted Arizona wins the game. Right. You know, unless he was last year's Kulote, and he runs for 275 yards and four touchdowns, and is just this electric, that Heisman-caliber quarterback. Because just the Kulote that we've seen this year has not looked totally comfortable, and how much is the injury? Who knows? But just him coming back would not have been enough for me to say, yep, Arizona's going to win this game now. Like, they got the Ducks right where they want them. And like you were saying earlier, when Oregon scored that touchdown to make it 16-8, to there's the thought, it's like, well, this is when Arizona should be up 28-8 to right now. Right. And instead, it's only a one-score game. This is when the field goals come back to bite you in the ass. But then, of course, Arizona goes to their next drive. They go on a, what, 18-play, 88-yard drive for a touchdown. It's like, whoa, okay, the Wildcats are here to play. And whether it was the Kulotate effect, I mean, he does impact the offense in a lot of ways, even if we don't notice it by holding linebackers. Maybe he rejuvenated, rejuvenated the team kind of. Maybe it was homecoming. Who knows what it was, but Arizona got off to a fast start. They made plays, and it just kind of allowed to keep building. And I, I don't think anyone – it was kind of like the game, what, a few years ago when B.J. Danker was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like just everything was going right. They got the early interception off of Mariota. I think Scooby Wright had that when it was tipped back into play. And it's like – the Wildcats kept scoring. You're like, wow, is this is this really happening? And this wasn't as clean of a game because of all those field goals. But it certainly had that same vibe where from kickoff to the end of the game, Arizona was in control in every single phase of the football game. It was great to watch. I think something else to note in, in this matchup, and it's maybe been overlooked, and, and I do think there's something to what you said with, you know, it, it was the 20-year anniversary of the 1998 team. They were all there. It was homecoming. Uh, there were there were a handful of big recruits on the sidelines, too. So, I mean, I think it was, uh, it, it was the perfect platform for this type of performance. 
last year when Arizona went up to Oregon, right? They go into that game seven and three. Clill Tate is on the on the national radar, right? He he is he is perceived to be a Heisman finalist at this point. Uh, they kept him in check, and unlike this year, right? Like he 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 was he was completely healthy last year. Like there was not an issue last mm-hmm. year. Uh, Oregon was in a situation where they were five and five going into that game. But Justin Herbert had had been out for a handful of games leading up to this Arizona matchup up in Eugene, and it just kind of felt like it, it, it just felt like similar a similar situation, but the roles were flipped. You know, Justin Herbert was injured last year. You know, their stud quarterback. You know, the season didn't go the way everybody anticipated. You know, this year, Khalil Tate obviously missed the last game. Has been battling an ankle injury since the first drive of the second game all season. Uh, you know, we're three and five going into this game. You know, Oregon is number nineteen in the country. They're they were like you know on on, on the brink of being a top ten team really. Uh, you know, just two weeks prior, which was you know similar to what Arizona was last year, and Arizona last year just got. I mean. It, it, it was close in the first half. It was 28-21 at halftime last year, but Oregon just ran away with it. And, mm-hmm. and you have to imagine that that type of game really stung the Wildcats. Second to last game of the year, you know, they went up there expecting to win, taking care of business, and they just, you know, they ended up losing by 20. The defense really didn't show up, and it was complete opposite this year. I mean, the defense, 100% hats off to you. I mean, this Man. has to be – I. I think Marcel Yates' job honestly was safe after what we've seen for that two, three-game stretch or whatever, you know, the Cal, the UCLA, uh, what have you. I mean, uh, Utah, you can make the case Tate was out the ball. We we were unable to move the ball, whatever. I'm willing to write that one off. Um, You know, UCLA, questionable, whatever. But I I felt like Marcel Yates was somewhat safe, just prior performances. Uh, But this one, if, if anybody felt that Marcel Yates was in trouble, this one solidified his position for next year. You would think, although I'm not sure if you can base any decision like that off of one game, of course. Like it's but if you look at this as a trend for this team and the defense especially getting better, and we've talked about how the defense really hasn't been that bad, all things considered, then there'd be no reason to move on from. But, I mean, this is a team that gave 31 to UCLA. But if you look other than that, yeah, I mean, 42 to Utah, but that was a train wreck of a football game. It was 17 to Cal, 24 to USC, 14 to Oregon State. Like, the defense has been – the defense really hasn't been the team's problem this season. Yeah. You know, you'd like for them to be desert storm. If they could hold teams to 12 points a game, you'd have a lot more wins. But – for this team, it's been the offense, I think. And in this game, the defense did what it had been doing in a lot of games this season, but then they got the special teams plays. You know, you got the block punt, which, of course, turned in only three points, which is pretty terrible. But it took the offense a little bit of time to get going in this one. But once they got that lead and the defense was able to keep them with that lead, then it allowed the offense to really open up. You got the running game going, and then Kulot Tate in the second half was very good, I thought. So, again, this was as complete a game as you're – I think I don't know when the last time Arizona played this good of a football game all the way around. That doesn't even mean it was perfect because they settled for too many field goals. But the defense deserves all the credit in the world because this is a game where it looks like they were dominant, but they've been they've been about this good for many of the games this season. Just it hasn't been against this kind of opponent, and it hasn't right. been in a game where the offense also came to play. So they finally got the help from the offense, which usually you think it'd be the other way around, where the offense is scoring sixty points and they're giving up fifty five, and it makes them work, but. No, 44 to 15, and it wasn't even that close. And it was a game when J.J. Taylor, what, 212 yards rushing, like he had himself a game. Just everything was working. The defense was getting pressure on Herbert. They weren't getting to him for sacks, but they were moving him off his spot. He looked really uncomfortable. There was all the talk about he might be the number one pick in the draft if he comes out. And I don't know if he's going to come out after this season. He doesn't look ready to me, but Arizona made him look really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And 
I remember I was watching it on TV. I didn't get to go down to the game. But it was, I think, in like the second quarter or late in the first, Herbert had like a 15, 20-yard pass. And the call guy's like, and it's a throw like that, which is why people talk about it as a number one pick. It's like, you've been waiting all game to say that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because they've been hyping this guy up as the number one pick in the draft pregame, during the game. And I think in the fourth quarter, they showed a graphic of his studies. Like, he's got a 4.0. He's like, yeah, that's what you're highlighting now. And that's totally the graphic you use when Herbert's, you know, 25 of 30 for 330 yards and five touchdowns. You're like, oh, by the way, he's also a great student. And instead it was theirs, their graphic of, yeah, he's all, he's a good student. So at least he has that going for him. It's not all yeah, about sports. Right. And that's what the Arizona defense did. The scheme that Marseille had, the way the players were tackling. I mean, Flanagan Fowles had one of his best games that I've seen. Yes. Like the secondary, the tackling was like we haven't seen it before. Like guy would catch mm-hmm. a pass, they'd drop him right then and there. So no, just... All around great effort for the defense. I know people are looking at the 44 points, but if you overlook the 15 that Arizona gave up, even that goal line stand at the end, that didn't matter. I yeah. loved that. Mm-hmm. You know, I absolutely, because that was their way of putting a stamp in that game, saying, you know, you're not scoring one. You're not even getting a garbage time touchdown off of us. Yeah. You know, we're going to stop you right here. I think they hurt Herbert, too, when he tried to dive into the end zone. They lit him up. But that, to me, was just an inspired defensive performance. And I guess it makes you wonder, like, wow, why can't they do this every game? But to be fair, the defense, they've been average to good most games this season and in this game they were outstanding the defense was great and and honestly it's going to be hard it's going to be hard to imagine them playing much better than this at any (laughs) point really moving forward you know what i mean like because to to your point yes oregon scored a touchdown to make it you know uh to, to 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 make it 37 15 in the fourth quarter, yes, there was still around like 10 minutes left, but up to that point, it was just sheer domination by Arizona. And, and of course, so I, I think that there's a couple storylines in this game and, and, and I apologize for, for, for all of our listeners here, you know, obviously Bryant and the other guys have already touched on this, but it's, it's such a major win that it, I, I, I think it's necessary for us to touch on this, right? <laughs> I, I definitely think so. Um, so, so the, the, the first question that I have for you, Adam is, so with with Tate in a situation where he sat out last week, nobody knew how he looked. He didn't even practice, you know, leading up to the UCLA game. Like he was really just off. He, he was off for eight straight days, basically. Uh, to come into this week, kind of just get back in the flow of things. Uh, how do you think he looked? And honestly, should should this have happened sooner? And that's the question that I guess we'll never know, right? Like how bad was his ankle up until the Utah game? Whereas when that hit happened, he couldn't walk. You had to hold him out. And I imagine he could barely walk the week leading up to the UCLA game, so they made the decision. But he looked, it looked like he needed to get, shake a little bit of rust off early on. He was misfiring on some throws. But the reason he was still throwing the deep ball, which right. I think they wanted to because they wanted to pick on Oregon's secondary, which, you know, it's like how much is Tate wanting to go for the deep ball and how much is the, that's what the play call asks for. It's just a bad throw. You know, and I'll give a guy a missed throw here and there, but his second half, I thought he was very good. He was in control of the offense. And overall, it's like, I was watching, I think it was Yogi Roth. He tweeted a thing out, and I was last night, so Monday night, where he was doing some film breakdown. He talked about how he had a highlight from Kulote, the touchdown to Sean Brown. He's like, this is what Kulote does to a defense because they're still worried about him running the football. And even Kulote not running the ball. He hasn't run the ball hardly at all this year, and he didn't. He looked better with the ball and on the move against Oregon, but he wasn't really running the ball like we saw last season. But that threat is there, and it holds those linebackers and allows a Shun Brown to come across the middle pretty much wide open to get that touchdown. 
So I don't know if this him sitting out the week or really the two weeks, you know, before and after the UCLA game made all that kind of difference. But it certainly looked like a different Khalil Tate against Oregon. And as much as people like what Rhett Rodriguez did against UCLA, and he was fine. You know, as much as people might like the potential of Joyner or Doyle, whatever they have outside of after Khalil Tate, he's still Arizona's best chance to win. And I think he should, even mm-hmm. when he's not at a hundred percent, and I don't think he's at a hundred percent still. He's still Arizona's best quarterback, and having him on the field, even if he's not running, makes defenses worry about his running, which opens up so much else for the rest of the offense. He looks really healthy, and and I think you really hit the nail on the head too there, Adam, with with the aggressive play calling early, with taking those deep shots. You know, they they were somewhat successful on a couple of them, but you know, obviously, I mean, uh, it's really hard to be batting a thousand with with throws greater than thirty yards, right? So, um, I I do think you're one hundred percent right there. They were just trying to stretch the defense a little bit and set up those plays for Sean Brown, and and you know that that is something that we were missing. You know, honestly, the the rest of the Utah game and then all the UCLA game, for some reason, Arizona Arizona's offense just has a really hard time getting Shun Brown going if Khalil Tate's not in the game. And that's, I mean, that has to just be a testament to, well, you know, I, I guess Khalil Tate's got the arm that could beat us all over the field. So we got to play back a little bit. And, you know, Shun, Shun Brown, of course, you know, he had a career high 10 reception in this game, 96 yards uh, receiving. He had the, the, he had the nice, the 27 yard touchdown reception. Gorgeous there. Uh, but you think of the double penalties that Arizona got after that. <laughs> After after uh, oh. Brown's touchdown, when he got pushed in the end, so he just lies down, so he gets what like a taunting penalty, a and celebration, someone point, and got someone lights too. up the ref. And it's like I was going to ask about like that actually. Like, yeah, <laughs> I I it's it's funny because the announcers pointed to Sumlin's reaction being one of Shun Brown was in the end zone and he got shoved like it was yeah, a, it was unnecessary happened. roughness right and and yeah he's one hundred percent correct. Um, and then Sean Brown just makes the most of it, right? And he's, you know, like, posing that's whatever. a 15 yard point. He just lied. It wasn't like he was standing over a guy. He wasn't talking crap or anything. He just, right. lied. he just, he just lied down and posed for a photo or something like, yeah, come on, yeah, college football, it, Pac-12 refs. It's 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 ticky tack, and but at the same time, I wouldn't expect anything different from from the from, from the competency or, or level of uh, or, or level of excellence, if you will, with with the uh, with the Pac-12 officiating crews, but. Um, I 100% love seeing someone get fired up like that. And again, yeah. I, I know we've touched on a couple times throughout the course of the season. Uh, it's really nice seeing that type of emotion. I, you know, there, there, there's a fine balance between him just being, you know, completely just dead. It looks like inside versus, you know, Rich Rod or, or, or even Mike, Mike Stoops for that matter. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's a fine, there's a fine line there. And, you know, it's nice to get to, close to that line. Someone did so there and, and I loved it. I mean, everybody was just fired up throughout that game. Um, In a closer game, that's a much different reaction, I think. 30 yards of penalties after the touchdown, right? I mean, it was 37 to 8 at that point. I don't think too many people – I thought it was more funny than anything. Yeah, yeah. Watching Arizona kick off from like the 10-yard line or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, how is this happening? But but even Uh, the emotion from someone, he's back in his players. And I think one of the things when they hired him, people like, this guy is really calm and cool and collected. You know, you kind of like that demeanor as opposed to a rich ride who's like – Supposedly like a crazy guy on the sideline. Really, the only difference is winning. You know, if, you, if you're winning the football game, you're not crazy. You're not in a coma. You're just, you're just coaching the right way. So I don't think Richard was crazy until they started losing. I don't think Stoops was crazy until they started losing. I don't think Kevin Sumlin is 
too mellow until Arizona starts losing. But it's nice to see him back as players like that because I'm pretty confident players, especially the guys who are on the sideline too, the recruits who are at the game, they notice that. Yeah, so they like it absolutely. when their coach backs up, you know, sticks up for them on something like that. Right. Yeah. No. Great point. Two more. Two more quick topics here. I want to touch on uh, before we move on. The first being JJ Taylor. Man. Is JJ Taylor having the most off the radar stunning season? I mean, ab- after his 212 yards uh, in this game on the ground, that pushed him over a thousand. Uh, he's on pace for something like 1300 yards and he's also a kick returner. Uh, I mean, at this rate, he's on pace for like all purpose, like 16, 1700 yards or something like that. Yeah, I mean, have you monster. ever seen, have you ever seen something that's been so hush hush from a power five school? Like I know a lot of times, like the group of five, it's kind of like, ah, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's whatever. But, but in the power five, this has been so hush hush. Yeah. I think part of that though is almost half his yards have come against the state of Oregon. Yeah, you know, like he owns Oregon. Oregon State had 284 yards, and then 212 in this one. That's not to discount anything he did. I mean, Oregon's a good team. Oregon State is not, but he's had three games with over 100 yards, and it was the two against the Oregon schools and UCLA the week before. And I'm not trying to diminish anything JJ Taylor has done because I don't think Arizona's offensive line is that good. You know, if he's running behind last year's offensive line with last year's Khalil Tate, his numbers are better than what we've seen, or at least sure. more consistent. But if you look at just how the, the numbers are there, but a deep dive into J.J. Taylor's numbers would show you that when he's been good, he's been really good. In the other games, he's just been fine, which mm-hmm. is nothing wrong with that. Again, they use Gary Brightwell. There's other runners. You have your quarterbacks who run a little bit sometimes. But, you know, against Houston, he had 54 yards on 18 carries. USC, he had 50 yards on 18 carries. Cal, 73 on 15. So, I mean, as the numbers, absolutely, the statistics are there. And I love everything about J.J. Taylor. That guy works hard. He plays hard. That flip into the end zone to cap off the game against Oregon. Yeah. This guy's a wildcat. I'm not trying to diminish anything he's done. Again, with a better offensive line, I think his numbers are that much improved of what we've seen. But I would guess that's part of why he's not getting the hype is because he's had three outstanding games this season, and the rest of his games have been either okay to maybe even subpar. But yeah, that's not fair. to diminish what he's done, I don't right. think. Because, hey, you he was a big reason why Arizona beat Oregon. Here's a big reason why they were in the game against UCLA, although you could argue his fumble mm-hmm. was a big reason why they didn't win that game. You know, in the Oregon State game, he was unreal. But yeah, 284 against them, 212, so that's what, 496 yards against the state of Oregon. Mm-hmm. So if he could play at Oregon school every week, how many more schools do they got up there? Because uh, I think J.J. Taylor could win the Heisman then. Yeah, right, right. No kidding. So as as it stands right now, just for everyone keeping track at home, yes, he, he is at 1,029 yards, which is good for fourth best in the country right now uh and, and surprisingly uh freshman jamar jefferson of oregon state is five yards ahead of jj taylor so uh there's gonna be a nice little battle time to run the football no kidding yeah and and he you know it I don't want to knock Jamar Jefferson either because he, I, I think he's a true freshman, if I remember that correctly. Uh, you know, he there was a lot of garbage time rushing yards against Ohio State when they were down something like six touchdowns. Uh, he ran a, he, he ran all over Southern Utah, which I'm sure J.J. Taylor got close, if not over 100 yards against Southern Utah. Eight and carries for 54 yards. Oh, OK. Well, Maybe I guess they didn't need him. Yeah, no, no, they did not need him. And yeah, Tate was trying to get the ball going again. And, and uh, you know, yeah, so fourth best in the country. It'll be a nice little race, race to the finish line here to see who will be the Pac-12 rushing leader. Uh, but 
Fantastic game, JJ Taylor. Uh, it, and it's been really a pleasure all year watching him. So no, he's so much and, fun to watch. Redshirt sophomore too. Best part. We got two more years with him. So that that's I don't fantastic. want him returning kicks so much anymore. He, his kick returning hasn't been great. Like he's got the numbers there because Arizona's given up a lot of kick returns. Yeah. But he hasn't been too electric in that game. And again, that could be the guy's blocking for him. I don't necessarily think it's his fault. But he's their main running back, especially if Brightwell's hurt now too. I'd rather not expend any of JJ Taylor's energy or I mean the hits on his body on the kick returns. Maybe that's just well, me. That- I'm not a coach. You know? Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm with you a thousand percent on that one. I I've been saying all year that it's nuts to me that our first string running back is is, is returning kicks. I, I I understand he's he's tough to see behind other bodies, and you know, and that's not the only reason he's getting this playing time. I mean, he's very talented. I get it, yeah. uh, but there's that's a lot of liability. If he goes down, we're in big big trouble. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. I would like to see him somewhat get phased out of that role. Last question for you, and we got to move on to Colorado here, Adam. Um, and again, this could just me being the eternal optimist here. I, you know, what have you? Uh, I, I tend to think the answer is yes. Uh, but is this a season-saving win? I, <laughs> I guess it depends on what you think a safe season is. I mean, it definitely, a bowl game, a bowl it, game. It, without this win, then definitely a bowl game wouldn't happen. You know, Arizona's up to four wins now. They need to win two of their last three, and grant two of them are at home, Colorado and. ASU and then one at Washington State. Like, can Arizona win two of those games? If so, yes. then obviously the Oregon game is season saving. If nothing else, it might be. I guess let's say Arizona loses the next two but beats ASU. You win five games this year. I imagine most people will take that season. It'd be disappointing, but you would have a win over number nineteen Oregon at home. You crush them. A few really close losses, so it's not like you're getting blown out most weeks. And you would have beat ASU. I don't imagine too many people would be that upset. I mean, disappointed, but not upset. But if Arizona wins this game against Oregon, then doesn't make a bowl game and loses to ASU. Let's say they beat Colorado, lose to Washington State, and then lose to ASU. I don't think this saves anything. I think people are going to be pissed. And I'm not going to say like they should be firing someone after that. I don't think any should be that upset. No, no. But I don't think that allows for the Oregon game to kind of trump that. Because this wasn't top 10 Oregon. This wasn't, you know, number two in the nation or anything like that. It was number 19, and they're clearly not as good as they have been in the past. It's a great win and one that Arizona desperately needed at this point, if only just because there's really their best chance to get a quality win on the schedule. You, know, mm-hmm. you already lost to USC. You already lost to Utah. Uh, you lost at Yusei, who, while terrible, it still would have been a game, a win at the Rose Bowl. But this gives you, now you have that in your back pocket. You can't take that away. And it shows what this team could be under someone with this coaching staff when things go the way they're supposed to. So, yep. nah, save the, save the season. We'll see. <laughs> you still got to win two mm-hmm. more. But as long as you beat ASU, I think it will let people have a, not a terrible taste in their mouths when the season comes to an end, whenever that is. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think kind of to your point there, too, you know, obviously it's been a very disappointing season. There, there's no way to slice that. I mean, that, that's just, just how it's been. Everybody knows. Everyone agrees on it. Uh, the way though, it kind of seems like there could be some forgiveness for the outcome of this season, or I guess even, you know, the, uh, up, up to this point, if you're looking for a progress report, obviously it's a D at best, right? I mean, you, you, nobody expected this. Um, but the caveat to that is though, and we've been saying all year and leading up to this year, like everything is predicated on Quill Tate's health. So, I mean, at, at least you can look at this season and say like, I mean, we still don't really know what this team can be because Quill Tate just meant so much to that offense and really to the defense, too, because you know, three and outs just wears down this team. And that's kind of what we saw, too, on Oregon's side this this week, too. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I guess in my mind, you know, after 
after the two or I guess even you could say like around that three and three mark. And we knew that Quill Tate was banged up and things just really weren't looking so good. You know, obviously we, we had some pretty high hopes after the Cal game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, after the way the Utah game shook out and after, you know, of course, UCLA, I mean, at this point, you know, it, it was it's pretty clear that. Uh, the aspiration is a bowl game, right? And yeah, without this they game, beat UCLA. I mean, of course, that's when the tough. Oregon game plays out the way it did. Now Arizona's that's four tough. and two in the conference. They're competing for the Pac-12 South, which not exactly a high bar this year. But then not you're less. also yeah. one win away from bowl eligibility with three to play. That's it, it's tough. It, it, it's really tough because you can look back and, you know, whatever happens that Utah game. I mean, we were off to a slow start. Utah was on fire. Fine. I'm fine with chalking that one up as a loss. You know, although a Cleo Tate and he wasn't healthy, but a, a healthier Cleo Tate, a, a, a Cleo Tate that we saw in the Cal game, you know, on that level. That gives us a much better outcome than the 41-10, whatever the final score was on that. I mean, that's obviously going to be a much closer game. Well, that leads um, to the question, should he have sat sooner? See, and that's where it's like because if uh, because if you sat him for that Utah game, and even though you know late 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 in the Cal game, you know he had a couple of those zone reads that he kept, mm-hmm. and yes, it, it took like every fiber of his being to pick up those two first downs that he picked up late in the game, um, and you know he, he was struggling. You could have made the case at that point, you know, yes, he played the entire Cal game, but should he have? Like, is now in the short week going up to Utah against a team that, you know, we're probably not going to look great against anyway. Should we just sit him? Kind and of then now the Utah game and have him ready for UCLA. And UCLA, and then, then we can, I mean, butterfly effects and stuff, I get it. But, you know, then you can assume you may, maybe not the same outcome against Oregon, but you can at least assume a win in the Oregon game, right? I mean, again, just the level of domination just makes me think that, you know, there were other factors than, than the Cleo Tate effect in that one. So, yeah, yeah it, it definitely begs the question. Unfortunately, hindsight, I mean, you know, it's tough to say. Rhett Rod being in there was a one it was a one point game, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, whatever. But but here we are, you know, kind of feels like I don't want to say that we're back on track. But to your point, two or three. I mean, that's very attainable, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't say they're back on track, but there's a chance there. You know, it's not going to be sure. easy. And there's there's just precious few games. You know, after the USC loss, there was still so many more games left. They were two and three. So they were one game below 500, one and one that comes. But you still had half a season left to play. Right, now you have three games, and mm-hmm. depending on what ASU looks like, you're not going to. Well, did I see the line? Is Arizona favored over Colorado? Or was it? I thought I saw Colorado was favored, and then Arizona. Someone tweeted Arizona was favored, and I couldn't understand what was going on there. So where, where is it at right now? Arizona's. Yeah, I guess Arizona's a favorite in this game. They are. Yeah, they, no I'm pretty sure they opened this one too. a week ago. It was like, oh, Arizona's got all these games left. They're not going to be a favorite in any of them. So. Then we'll see if they're favored against ASU. So, I mean, there's a chance, and of course, if you get Washington State, you're on the road, but it's after a bye week. So if Kiltate's going to be healthy, he should be super healthy for that game. But mm-hmm. And this is where I guess it kind of goes to when was the right time to sit him, and it depends on how bad the ankle was. You know, if right. he was playing at 85% against Cal, against USC at Oregon State, then then it's probably enough for him to play. And if it got significantly worse against Utah, then he had to sit for UCLA. There wasn't a decision to make. But, for instance, if you would have sat him against after the Houston game when he hurt mm-hmm. the ankle, when you're at home against Southern Utah. Right? Did you really need Khalil Tate to beat Southern Utah? You Probably not. But at the yeah. same time, you're 0-2 at that point, desperately needing to, to get a win. Mm-hmm. So you really can't afford to sit him if he can play. And he played well against Southern Utah. Then against Oregon State. It's like, did you need him against Oregon State? Well, it's on the road. It's your first Pac-12 game. You can't afford to lose this one. A must-win game. Yeah, right. so when do you, you can't sit him for that one. Then you're at home against USC. Well, if you're going to have a chance to beat the Trojans, he's got to play in that game. 
But you lost yeah. that. Well, you got to beat Cal now at home, so you're not going to do that probably against a good Cal team without him. So it's I don't know when the good time to sit him would have been. Just the bye week would have been helpful. Right. You know, the one thing sure. Arizona yeah. needed three weeks ago, they didn't have. You know, they get it after the Colorado game. But, yeah, I mean, the, the season still could be salvaged. Khalil Tate, if he's healthy and getting better than – if he the better he gets, the healthier he gets, then the greater this team's chances of winning games are. You know, yep. a healthy Kulo Tate could beat every single team on that's left, left on the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's back to being what he was last year with an improved defense, and Arizona could run the table the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. But those are a lot of ifs, and we just haven't seen it yet. So I don't know. I think the coaches I was put in a tough spot. Yeah, you know, I know. I asked you the question: Should he have sat? And that wasn't fair because there's no right answer. I don't think. No, 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 no. You know, but. They are where they're at right now, four and five, three and three in the conference. You could say, yeah, if they would have just beat UCLA, it's a much different season. If they would have got a stop against BYU, I know that's not the conference game, but you know, beat BYU, if they could have beat USC, like there's all these small losses they had, those three losses by less than five points. Yep. They make a difference in the season. And that's how football works. If you're a competitive team, you should win close and you should lose close. And they just happen to lose more of their close games this season. Haven't really I mean Cal was a close game, I guess. But yeah, one score. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise they're so they're one in three in the one score games this season. That's right. not good, you know? And, but that's the difference no. between the team that won the Pectoral South in twenty fourteen and what you have right now. I mean that how many close games did Arizona win that season? I could think off the top of my head two or three that were one possession games, final play type of games. You have to win those games if you're gonna win a division, especially if you're not a dominantly good team. And Arizona, again, this isn't as bad a team as they've looked at times this season. They very rarely looked terrible. They just haven't made enough plays to win those close games. And granted, if you can beat a team 44 to 15, it doesn't matter. You're mm-hmm. fine. So we'll see. It should be a fun next three weeks. Hopefully, you know, it starts this Friday against Colorado. But now there is, I guess, more expectations. I'm sure you're thinking good things, positive vibes against the Wildcats oh, yeah. for the Wildcats right now. It's hard not to because that was just a stunningly dominant win against a pretty good Oregon Ducks team. Yep, yep, 100%. All right, Adam, so that's enough of that. Uh, I could go on for I could go on about that game for hours. It was fun. Should, yeah, it, it was great. It, it was definitely something we needed, you know, nine weeks into the season. So uh, thank you so much for that. And uh, keep it up, right? Obviously, we want this <laughs> thing to keep rolling here. So. Um, but yeah, so enough of that for right now. Let's let's go ahead and pivot a little bit here into uh, in, into the Colorado preview. And actually, Adam, before we do, let's go ahead and plug uh, our sponsorship with my bookie. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard about me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting with my bookie. If you're the kind of guys that likes to bet little and win a lot like playing numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams, and if you hit all three, you could win up. You could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on. Playoff baseball, which just concluded, basketball, football, obviously, hockey, primetime fights, and more. But my bookie is the one I bet with because you'll be happy with them all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. My bookie has been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. MyBookie is offering 100% bonus for the last time this year. That's right. Have you been thinking about placing a pick all season but haven't manned up yet? Well, it's time to make your move. After Sunday's kickoff, you can kiss that bonus goodbye. Also, make sure to follow at MyBookie on Twitter and or Instagram. They personally respond to every mention and DM. 
Not to mention that they've given away nearly $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as the new odds and props are posted. Log on to my bookie right now. Don't miss out on this last opportunity to collect the industry's biggest bonus. Use promo code WILDCAT and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code WILDCAT. You play, you win, you get paid. Adam, that is a long read, but let's go ahead and move. A lot of rhymes there, though. It sounded a little bit like poetry at times. It's pretty good. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, mybookie.ag. Check that out. Uh, And, of course, use the promo code WILDCAT. So, Adam, our next opponent is Colorado. We host them this upcoming Friday night, which is kind of nice. I actually prefer the Friday night. Uh, that means, you know, I don't wait around all Saturday for our game. So that's <laughs> nice to just kind of get that out of the way. Um, Colorado, we're catching them at a very interesting time. So for anybody that didn't miss it, and I know I mentioned it earlier in, in, in the pod here, we had mentioned uh, Colorado was sitting pretty. They were sitting aces against Oregon State. And uh, 31-3 was the score. In the second half, after the first play from scrimmage in the second half, was a Trevin McMillan 75-yard run, extending that lead 31-3. From that point forward, Oregon, Oregon, excuse me, Oregon State scored 38 points and would outscore Colorado 38-3. What in the world happened hey. in that situation? Uh, Oregon State is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and they haven't scored that many points like all season, except for against Southern Utah. They dropped 48. Otherwise, their highest scoring game was 37. <laughs> it was. I, I, so, I mean, that that is that is an abomination. I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, there, there's really no logic for it other than. Other than Colorado saw the scoreboard 31-3 and were like, this is over. Like, let's start thinking about what are we doing tonight? You know, which, which part are we going but to even tonight? even then. Like, I mean, it, it, it was so bad. And so the other thing, too, that, that's somewhat noteworthy, but 100% not the reason why they lost this game. So their stud, Chenault, right? Laviska Chenault. Mm-hmm. This guy has really come on the scene. Almost Khalil Tate-esque from what we saw last year. I mean, this guy has really jumped on the radar, uh, jumped on a lot of Heisman Trophy radars. Now, uh, Colorado started 5-0, and right? Not that impressive of wins, though. I mean, if you really look at it, I mean, yes, yes, you were 5-0. and You know, they beat Colorado State week one at Nebraska. We now know Nebraska is complete trash. Uh, New, New Hampshire. Nebraska. Uh, yeah, I like that. That's yeah. a good one. New Hampshire, week three. Nah, okay, fine. Uh, UCLA, v- underwhelming. I mean, I know we lost to them, so we can't really say too much, but I mean, still not that great of a team, especially that early in the season. Uh, ASU, that was, you know, we still don't really know how good ASU is, but, you know, I guess, you know, whatever. Colorado was at man. home. Yeah. yeah, it's decent. Fine. I mean, it's conference wins a conference win. You should never scoff at a conference win. Uh, so going into USC, though, so this, this is where things started to change for them. Um, it was interesting because Colorado, I believe, was ranked number 19 at that point going into the USC game. However, it was at USC, and UC, USC was a favorite. So obviously they knew something. Now, Chenault, keep in mind, was not injured up to this point. Mm-hmm. Chenault injured his toe in the fourth quarter of the USC game, which forced him to miss that fourth quarter. Colorado would go on to lose 31-20. The following week, they had to travel to Seattle to take on Washington, they would lose that game 27-13, did not have Chenault, right? Which is understandable, Obviously, too, because Washington is tough. 
Washington is it's a tough place to play. Washington has a fantastic defense. Fine. Uh, Chenault was obviously missing that situation. I'll, I'll give them some of that there. Hard fought game. Bravo. Oregon State. This was a situation. You were up 31-3. You had no problem moving the ball in Oregon State in the first half, even the first play of the second half, and you just collapse. Yes, it's on the defense, giving up 38 points, uh, and, and, but then it's also on your offense, right? You're only able to muster together three points. Now, Adam, my question to you after this is, is this is, is this situation where we should be thankful for, for for catching them on a short week after a horrible collapse like this? Or is it kind of like, ah, uh, damn it, you know, like they're, ugh, they're, they're, they're poking the bear a little bit. They might get back on track. Guess we'll find out on Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the similar thing with, you know, getting Oregon after their loss last week. It's like, oh, man, that's a bummer. Yeah. You know, I, against Washington State, that game, like you're getting an angry Oregon team now trying to fight for their lives. And it could also be a situation now where just – you're Colorado, you were ranked, you were looking good, you had a chance to do some special things this season, and now you don't. You yeah. know, now it's like maybe they're just demoralized. And that's what, that's what we'll find out. And I like to think it would have left, less to do with them and more to do with what kind of team Arizona is on Friday. But I think it could definitely go both ways. And if Chanel's not playing, he's obviously someone who is a dominant player, someone that Arizona would have to worry about. So without yeah. him... Colorado's not going to be as good of a football team, but it's unreal what happened to them against Oregon State, and you have to wonder where their confidence is at right now because mm-hmm. maybe they're angry or maybe they're just despondent. You know, They've lost three in a row, including two Oregon State at home in a game they just collapsed in. Do they come out like bats out of hell, their hair's on fire, and just like playing as hard as they can, saying, we're not like that, we're better than this, and take it to Arizona? Or do they come out and say, well, season's over, and who mm-hmm. knows? Because even after this Arizona game, their stretch, host Washington State, host Utah at, at California, it's not, a, you know, it's not an easy finish for them. Like it's, if they lose to Arizona, they might finish losing, what, one, two, three, four, five, their last seven games after starting off 5-0. and oh, that's It can get ugly. That's reminiscent of the Arizona Stoops here when, Arizona, when the Cats play all the good teams at the end of the season. And then they mm-hmm. had like that, what, combined two seasons, like 10-game losing streak or something like that. It's like, oh, no, this is bad. But... I don't know. I never it's, thought Colorado's would be that good going into the season, and they really haven't beaten anyone really, really right, good. Right. So yep. maybe this is more a course correction, but at the same time, they're not a bad football team, I don't think. They're not bad, So, but similar to Oregon in the sense that there's only a handful of playmakers with, within the skill positions on offense. So uh, similar to Oregon, they have an, an exceptional quarterback in Steven Montez. Uh, Steven Montez, obviously, you know, he's somebody that's uh, really, you know, he, he, he was around for their 2016 South Championship. Um, well, who's the, not Willie Tuitama. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's him, right. So Sefalufau uh, got hurt and missed a couple games. Steven Montez at the time as a freshman stepped in. Uh, just very admirable, yeah, very admirable substitution there, right? He, he just played very well, kept things afloat. Colorado, as we know, went on to win the South. Um, but, you know, Sefalufau has moved on, right, obviously the last two years. So uh, Steven Montez is in the second year as a full-time starter. 
Decent numbers. Uh, completion percentage is actually very good. Yeah. Tick over 68%. He's already eclipsed the 2,000-yard mark. Uh, 14 touchdowns to four interceptions. And, oh, by the way, he, he can also scramble a little bit. He has 226 yards on the ground with four touchdowns. So uh, his total touchdowns to total uh, to, to interceptions, I guess, if you will, I don't have his fumbles here, but uh, you know he has, he, he's responsible for 19 total touchdowns and uh, and you know well on his way for you know eclipsing 3,000 total yards anyway. Um, solid, right? I mean, it's, you, you'll take that. Um, beyond that, you know, you, you, you have Chenault, which we've touched on, you know, a true Heisman contender, right? He hasn't done anything to diminish those odds. You know, obviously it hurts when you don't play, yeah, but you really it's, losing it's, games and you start losing, but you know, you could also make the case that, Hey, uh, he's the reason we lost, you know, had he played and he's, you know, comes right back, acts like nothing happened, uh, didn't skip a beat, you know, picks up right where he left off. Oh, what have you, however you want to slice but it. That doesn't mean his impact is any less. I mean, if he's back on the sure. field, he's someone you absolutely have to worry about. You absolutely have to he worry about even catches. He has 14 more catches than the next closest guy in two fewer games. Yeah, exactly. So through six games, Chenault is the still the leading receiver with 60, leading receiver in yardage with 780, and leading receiver with touchdowns as well, six touchdowns. Um, but th- what's what's interesting, and Adam, I don't, I don't know if you've had the chance to watch him or, or if you watch any of the ASU game because that was the one game that I actually saw Chenault in action. They they use him all over the field. Jet sweeps fine, you know, obviously slot, wide out, everything. But then there's also wildcat packages for him, too. So, I mean, they obviously they know. I mean, this is the guy. This is the guy. He has 87 rushing yards, nothing impressive. Uh, 49 of those yards came on one touchdown run, but he also had four other touchdown runs, too. I mean, this guy just has a knack for the end zone. Yeah, no, he's an excellent. I haven't had a chance to watch him much, but just one of those players that the smartest coaches, the best offensive coaches, just find a way to get the ball in their best players' hands. Yeah, when you're a receiver, that's the problem. We talked about Sean Brown with Arizona earlier on. It's like, when does he get the ball? Just get them the ball in space and let them go to work. You yeah, you can't do it all the time. And Arizona doesn't really run the Wildcat, which I don't know how even that what you would call it if the Wildcats ran the Wildcat. <laughs> but you know, they don't do that. But those bubble screens, some of those jet sweeps, things that you just want these guys to have the ball because they make something happen. And mm-hmm. Chenault's that type of player. And I mean, as an Arizona guy, I'm hoping he doesn't play. <laughs> no, he's, no, he's definitely someone not. That absolutely, you'd like to see. Hey, sit one more out. You know, heal up. Make sure that toe is fine for Washington State. That's a big game. Mm-hmm. But if he does play and he's himself, then absolutely, this is someone that he's going to get the ball, and Arizona's going to have to account for him. Just know where he is at all times on the field because he's going to be Montez's favorite target. And I guess compared to last year, Montez had a good game against Arizona last season. And that's back when Philip Lindsay was their running back, and he torched right. Arizona too. Like Arizona beat them last year only because of Khalil Tate's greatness in yeah. that game. That's the only reason why Arizona went up to Folsom and won that football game. So mm-hmm. this is—I don't think Colorado's any worse than they were last year necessarily. They may not be any better, but if Chenault plays, there's forget Philip Lindsay. They don't do it with the running game. They do it with a just dominant receiver like that, and. Yeah, that would be someone, I think Kevin Someone talked about him too in his press conference, that he's just such a dynamic player to where he can do everything for them, and if he's on the field, he will do everything for them. 
he's going to be a problem, a big mismatch. Because I, I, don't, I don't even know really how how you you treat it. I mean, you know, I our, our defensive backs, you know, our corners specifically have really had some ups and downs. You know, Lorenzo Burns played fantastic against Oregon. Um, you know, Dylan Mitchell is the pride and joy of that Oregon Ducks receiving corp. Um, but you know, this as as I said earlier, you know, the the skill position situation for for Colorado is somewhat similar to Oregon but it's also not as dramatic of a fall off after Dylan Mitchell so they do also have the Buffaloes also have uh, Katie Nixon uh, 46 receptions 560 yards uh, in the air three touchdowns as well right Tony Brown's another guy uh, Jay McIntyre son of head coach uh, McIntyre I, I, I guess just the whole the receiving core doesn't scare me too much outside of Chenault, right? Obviously that that's where the focus will be. The running game is somewhat interesting to me too, though, Adam, because, uh, Trevin McMillan is, is a graduate transfer from Virginia tech. And, you know, obviously with Philip Lindsay moving on, there was tremendous opportunity here just because there really wasn't much else behind Philip Lindsay to backfill that type of void. I mean, Philip Lindsay at this next level, for those of you who haven't been following, he's been doing a tremendous job for the Denver Broncos this yeah, year he can play. as he's a rookie good. undrafted mind you too. So, I mean, he, I mean, we've seen it the last couple of years, Philip Lindsay, and even last year, I mean, his performance was overshadowed by Quill Tate. I mean, 81 yards on 41 carries and three touchdowns. Like he was a he, monster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't stop him. Right. And again, it's like nobody I I didn't even remember those yardages, you know, like I just I just remember him. We couldn't stop him. But obviously the spotlight was Khalil Tate. Uh, Trevin McMillan, in this case here, he he has 778 yards uh, on the season. Uh, he, he, he's better than five yards per attempt. He's only found the end zone five times, but, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's about, about picking up first downs and just overall scoring. Right. So, um, it, it'll be interesting to see what type of performance he has too. Um, you know, he, he, he was somewhat capable, you know, I, I guess, you know, he was serviceable is probably a, a better adjective for him at Virginia tech mm-hmm. battled some injuries last year. Uh, but his freshman year, he had 200 attempts for over a thousand yards. So, I mean, this guy, you know, he, he's going to, by the time it's all said and done, uh, you know, assuming he remains healthy, uh, he, he'll be able to, to, to tally another thousand yard rushing performance, another thousand yard rushing season. Uh, onto that belt but um offensively speaking i mean it's really it's it's very similar and and i know i've said this a few times but it's very similar to what we saw against oregon you have an you have an exceptional quarterback you 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 have a a good running back and then you 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 have a well in this case just a stud if he plays uh you know similar to dylan mitchell dylan mitchell doesn't isn't as dynamic and won't be used as chanel will be used but if Chanel plays, uh, it, it's going to be difficult. If he doesn't play, I mean, if he doesn't play, I don't want to say this is a slam dunk. No, but it's significantly less difficult. It's just going to be less difficult for sure. Yeah, and this, isn't, and this isn't a great offense, so that's the thing. And you just name the three guys that are their main players, the skill guys, and that's basically for the guys that really scare you, that's it. And granted, that's you know, quarterback, running back, receiver. That's not a bad trio to have. But even offensively, they average two yards fewer per game than Arizona does. You know, they run the ball about 30 yards less. They throw for a little bit more, so they're more of a passing-based offense compared to what we see in Tucson. But they score 32 points a game. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, and especially what they've been lately, they haven't been that good. And that's the Chenault effect, obviously. And maybe playing Washington didn't help things. Playing USC didn't help things. But 
just it's it's tough to really get a read I think on Colorado because right now it's been a tale of two seasons and when they're playing the not so good teams they're piling up points when they lost Chenault, they stopped scoring points. I guess they scored 34 against Oregon State, but you should be able to trip yourself into 34 points against Oregon State. That seems <laughs> yeah. terrible. But so it's like, how good is Colorado? How good is this offense? How good is even Montez? You know, he's a, he looks like he's a good quarterback. His stats are there. But yet this is not a team that's been playing well over the last few weeks. And is it a case of they're missing their best playmaker? That's a problem. Is it a case of they're playing better teams? You could argue that until they lost to Oregon State at home. So... I don't know if they scare me so much other than like there's potential on this offense. There are guys who can hurt you, but they haven't really hurt anyone recently. So, mm-hmm. and if you're Arizona, again, coming off that defensive performance against Oregon, it's like, well, if they just play like that, they'll shut Buffalo down easy. But then yep. again, if Arizona could play defense like that every week, they would not be four and five right now. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so that's, that's just kind of how this works. And, you know, Nixon's a solid receiver, but he's not someone that you necessarily game plan for. Tony Brown's put up some decent numbers. But again, there's a reason why Chenault has two fewer games than everyone and 14 more catches than the next closest guy. You mm-hmm. know, they, they, that's where they want to go with the ball. And if he's on the field, that's where they're going to want to go with the ball. If he's not on the field, then you have to worry about the other guys a little bit, sure. They're just not as dynamic. And without him, Montez won't look as good. You know, I mean, his... Average per attempt, he's 7.7 yards per attempt. He's not exactly chucking the ball down the field either. So that's how you get that completion percentage. So it's a good offense, but not a great offense. And I think Arizona, when last we saw the Wildcats, did quite a number on an offense that was better than Colorado's. Yep, yep, very fair. So jumping to the other side of the ball then, of course, is the defense. Now, Colorado, um, you know, similar to the offense in the sense that, you know, just kind of, decent right i mean i i I think slightly above average is probably a good way to put it i mean they they have a a top 50 defense in terms of total defense in terms of uh yards allowed per game right so they are averaging uh they they are allowing on average 364.9 yards per game um you know, in, in, in the air, they're, they're allowing about 220 or so. On the ground, they're allowing one, 142. So, I mean, they're allowing a little bit more in passing yards than they are against rushing. And a lot to do with that on, on the rushing front, in their rushing defense, they actually have three very, very solid linebackers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the, the, the linebacker core led by Rick Gamboa, Drew Lewis. You remember them from last year, just guys with a good nose for the ball all over the, all over the field. Uh, somebody that we did not see last year, though, is sophomore Nate Landman. Nate Landman uh, has last year he, he played in, in just about every game. I think I read right. Uh, I think he played in 11 games towards the end of the season. His his usage started ticking up just a little bit. Uh, they, they really the coaching staff really noticed, you know, something there and other injuries and such. As the season wears on, it was opportunity for him. He took advantage of that opportunity. Uh, Gamboa and Lewis combined for 75 tackles, total tackles on the season. Landman has 79 to himself. This guy is all over the field, and it's going to be pretty interesting to see what J.J. Taylor, and especially, you know, as, as you mentioned, Gary Brightwell is a little banged up, too, with his ankle, I believe. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what type of running game is there. This, this may come down to another situation where it's, it's, we're, we're relying on Quill Tate's arm to get the job done. Yeah, think of Landman as their Colin Schooler. You know, the guy who's just yep. everywhere. Not necessarily a pass rusher. He's got a cup, you know, a sack and a half more than what Schooler has, but he's their guy. 
know, he's going to have his nose in the ball for any time there's a tackle in the running game, and you account for him. And yeah, I mean, Gamboa's putting up numbers. Uh, like Lewis is doing well, and of course Mustafa Johnson is seven and a half sacks. That's somebody you have to worry about too from the defensive line. But you know, it's not a shut down, lock you down defense either. Right. But they do have some talent there. So whether it's a Khalil Tate arm game, you you need to run the ball. That's when Arizona's at their best. And whether it's a Khalil Tate running the ball, maybe we get to see that again as he faces the team. Maybe he's inspired by seeing Colorado again or, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever it is. And Arizona's offense is always going to change just because they're playing a team with decent linebackers. But that's where the Khalil Tate effect with him maybe holding that edge just a little bit allows for J.J. Taylor or Mariscal or whoever. Maybe we get a Nathan Tilford signing. Oddly enough, who knows, depending on what's up with Brightwell. But whatever it is, it's going to take another good effort. But this isn't a great defense. It's just a solid. It's an okay defense Mm -hmm. with a couple of good players, no superstars, but some solid players, not unlike Arizona's, I don't think. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a very even matchup, in my opinion. And, and, and it's really funny, too, because, you know, and go, going back to the super pod that we had at the beginning of the year, um, you know, we 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 thought that Colorado would hit the over, but just barely. Right. Their over under was four and a half. And, you know, getting back to the whole, well, you know, like, how good are they? They started off, you know, guns a blazing, not super impressive, but nonetheless, I mean, five and oh, right. I, I would I would consider committing a low level misdemeanor for a five and oh start after, you know, what, what we'd seen up to this point. But um, for, for them, for, for, for them to, you know start five and zero, and then now they're riding this three game losing streak. Uh, it it kind of just puts them back to really where we thought that they would be. So uh, it, this is right back on track. It's right where we want them. Honestly, in my opinion, uh, the game's played at home. Coil Tate, you know, the team as a whole uh, has a lot of confidence going into this matchup. Uh, Quill Tate certainly has a lot of confidence going into this matchup. Yeah. Just, just, just his ankle held up. Um, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And again, I, I absolutely love it. It's on a Friday night. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll love, we'll know if we love it a lot more late Friday, early Saturday, sure, depending that's on how fair. this one goes. Yeah. But no, it's not necessarily a bad matchup if you're going to get this Colorado team right now. And it's kind of it's that funny thing where they're they've got a good record, but their last few weeks have gone just terribly for Colorado. Yeah. And it's like if they didn't start off five and zero, if they kind of two and one, maybe three and two, and then got to this record, you'd feel differently about them. But they look like they're spiraling right now. They're reeling and. That could change just by getting one player back, or it could change. It was just a week ago we're talking about how Arizona was in that tailspin. Mm-hmm. You know, all it takes is one win. And granted, I'm glad this game is at home too, because obviously Arizona has a better chance of winning this game in Tucson than they would in Boulder. But it's not a situation where it's a, a cakewalk type of game, but it's also yep. not a Colorado team that is great and that's just coming in playing excellent football and you know, has their sights set on some amazing things and just going to come in and take care of business. They're a team that needs a win, too, desperately. You know, they're in the same situation as Arizona, except Arizona's playing at home, and also Arizona did not lose to Oregon State. (laughs) That's true. So if you want to go with that, then, Jesus, you you can't lose to Colorado. They lost to Oregon State. Yep. How did... How in the world... Yeah, I just that doesn't make any sense, and so it. I, to your question earlier, it's like, is this a good time to get Colorado? Or maybe is it like, oh no, they're going to be all pissed about that game? Who knows? These are college mm-hmm. kids, and it's just hard to say whether Arizona's confidence after crushing Oregon or Colorado's maybe despondency after losing to Oregon State. Like maybe Arizona's a little bit too confident. Maybe Oregon or maybe Colorado is super fired up to redeem themselves. Like this could go 
either way, but I do think these are two fairly evenly matched teams in terms of they're not bad, but they're not great, and they each need to play a good game if they're going to knock off the other one. So kickoff is scheduled for Friday, 7.30 p.m. local time in Tucson, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So, Adam, that that continues the trend. We've only been on Pac-12 Network twice this year still, so that'll be through 10 games. 80% of our, 80% of our games, for better or for worse, have been on nationally <laughs> televised uh, channels. So exactly, for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, so Adam, yeah, we're, we're, I think, probably well over an hour here. Let's go ahead and just leave it on this then. Uh, the college football playoff rankings were, were released today, much to no one's surprise, I'm sure. Uh, only two teams from the Pac-12 made the top 25 rankings Washington State checks in at number eight, seven and one. Utah checks in at six and two. Um, you know, we touched on this last week, Adam, where, you know, it's, it kind of just felt like the last hope for the Pac-12 to snag one of those four playoff spots uh, in the college football was uh, in the college football playoff was Washington State. Mm-hmm. You know, them checking in at number eight kind of makes me think that that's more realistic than what I was giving it credit for. What do oh, you yeah. think? No, if, it makes you feel like if they run the table the rest of the way, they could very easily be in the playoffs. But there's a couple of teams ahead of them, too, that would have to lose a game for them. And there's three undefeated teams ahead of them in Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. So even if they each lose a game, they're probably going to stay ahead of Washington State, I would think. But if the Cougs do run the table, and that would include a win over Washington, you know, win over Arizona and win over Colorado and Cal. Like, that's not a bad way to finish the season. So it'd be hard to keep them out of the playoff. But And then at this rate, and then at this rate too, Utah, right? So if Utah runs the table, they enter that game 10-2, and two, that's likely right around 10 or maybe even in the top 10 at that Utah point. Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's possible for Washington State. And, Grant, I know we're both going to want them to lose in two weeks when they, or yes. when they play Arizona. We're going to want them to lose yes. that game. But... They are. I mean, who would have seen this coming? No, no. You know, like I, this d- year, this Washington not. State team would be the one that would be Arizona. So the Pac-12's last best hope to make yeah. a playoff game. And I don't think they're going to do it. I don't no. think they're going to run the table. But I guess it's nice to see a Pac-12 team come in in the top 10. It's nice to see two Pac-12 teams show up in the rankings because it's been a down year for the conference overall. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think the only case to be made is is that – uh, well, I guess there, there's it, it's probably twofold then is, you know, Utah could potentially, if they run the table, be in the top 10, as I mentioned. And there's going to be some cannibalization happening in the front of them, sure. too, in front of Washington State, because Alabama and LSU play this week. So depending on how that what, what the outcome shows there, you know, the loser could still be ahead of them or, you know, they could just slip back who knows uh and then georgia is another big player in this race and they presumably should win the east unless kentucky beats them this week uh kentucky as if we're talking about basketball which is crazy to me but what is that uh, all about (laughs) yeah i I don't know but mark stoops congrats to him i mean finally he he got something brewing over there so hopefully uh hopefully his meltdowns nothing like his brother's seven and one uh, that year a few few years back jeez i wouldn't Uh, wish that upon anybody no, 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 that's awful. That's terrible. But, you know, at least for Kentucky, uh, much like Arizona, right, you're a basketball school and you have your you can hang your hat on that a little bit. Um, one quick question for you, though, with Washington State and what and kind of looking at the way that that the rest of their schedule is going to shake out. I, and, and again, could just be the eternal optimist. I, I, I don't know. Looking at, OK, Cal, sure, they, they should have that one at home at Colorado. Kind of the elevation it could be a tough place to play. No, no, they're going to take care of business there. They should. Is it going to get to a situation where 
Arizona becomes a trap game? I, maybe. <laughs> I, that's you know, it's so funny because at the at the beginning of the year I was looking at at this being a potential trap game for Arizona, right? Yeah. Going up to Pullman before but before ASU. And now you're in a situation where those roles very well could flip come come November 17th. Yeah, and we'll just have to see. I mean, if they win their next two, it's like, is it a trap game or is it one of those where you, they get so close to the finish line, like, okay, let's take care of business. Mm-hmm. You know, and these are college kids. You never know which way they're going to react to that. But again, I mean, if Arizona's healthy and playing good football, I think they can hang with Washington State. But yeah, at the yeah, same time, definitely. there's that's me saying this after Arizona looked great against Oregon. Let's see what we're saying if, after they play Colorado on Friday. But now Washington State being in this position, I mean, their only loss was a three-point loss to USC. Yeah. You know, they already they knocked off Utah once this season. They already knocked off Oregon. They knocked off Stanford by a three. And that's I'm saying, like, Arizona hasn't won those close games. In the close games, you Washington, like I said, they lost to USC by three. Okay, that's, that one won there. But Utah, that was one score game. They won. Oregon was a two-score game, but they won. And now Stanford was a one-score game. If you go, like, those are the games you have to win to make these kinds of runs. Yeah. Especially when you're not a dominant football team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, credit to them. They've done everything they can up to this point to be in this position. And now for Washington State, it's a matter of they got four games left, five if you count the Pac-12 title game. And I would hate to see them make it that far, lose to Utah in the title game, and then get knocked out of the playoff because of that. <laughs> right, but yeah. they put themselves in a really good position and one that I don't think anyone expected them to be in. Yep. No, I, I certainly didn't. I'm pretty sure their over under was like three and a half and I took the under <laughs> at the beginning of the year. So they've already, if, if that was the over under, they've already doubled their over under with four games to play. So, um, much more to come on that, but I, I just wanted to highlight that for our listeners as well, because that's definitely, I mean, there, there's, there's vested interest there, right? I mean, obviously, uh, if, if, if we don't make it this year, we being the PAC 12, if we're not represented this year in the college football playoff, uh, that makes it what, four four straight years now or no that's not true because washington was in i think two years ago so uh but they might as well have not been in because they got smoked i think by Alabama. So, smoked yeah so it has been pretty but uh but yeah no so that's something to keep an eye on and uh, obviously much more will materialize uh, over the next four weeks so uh adam this weekend colorado friday night as mentioned Hopefully uh, this time next week we'll have some more good news. Back to Mount 500. Who knows, right? That would make it a lot of fun if they can get to 5-5, five and five, needing one game with two left. First the bye week, you know, and then Washington State on the road, ASU at home. It, watch it come down to ASU. And Arizona's going to win this week, lose to Washington State, and it's going to be beat ASU to go to a bowl game. And oh. with any luck, it'll be the same for the Sun Devils. And it could be like it was back in the time when I was going to school, or at least the early Stoops era, I guess, when it was, if Arizona could just beat the Sun Devils, they'll get to six. And you got two just very mediocre teams playing for the right to play an extra game. Let's make it happen. Or if Arizona wants to run the table, that'd be fine too. But short of that, just you win this week, and all of a sudden it changes the dynamic, how you you see the last three weeks of the season, last two games, if you can beat Colorado at home, which, of course, now looks like a lot greater possibility than it did even as recently as a week ago. Absolutely. Yes, it does. All right, everyone. So enjoy the game on Friday. And then until next week, bear down.